Hi, thanks for tuning in to Never Mormon Always Curious. We're your hosts, Abby and Jess. As the title suggests, we have never been Mormon. However, we are always curious. I like to think of myself as an amateur historian, anthropologist, and theologian of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I, as her wife, am good at listening and asking lots of questions on a topic which I have almost no knowledge about. In this podcast, we're going to be having discussions about the history, the culture, and the ideologies of the LDS movement, whilst embarking on a road trip across the United States of America, stopping at important LDS landmarks. As we are non-Mormons, we understand we are coming from a unique point of view. We want to make it clear that we are approaching this podcast from a purely educational perspective. We will strive to be as objective and respectful as we possibly can. However, we will not shy away from the difficult topics. Additionally, as outsiders from this community, we may get some things wrong. Therefore, we welcome all fact checks and feedback. Hello. Hello. My name is Elda Price. And I would like to share with you the most amazing podcast. <laughs> hello, hello. Welcome we back. Welcome back to me, to you, to everybody listening. To me, to you. To me, to you. For all of us Americans, um, I only learned that reference recently. It was a children's TV show, and they said to me, to you, and I got absolutely roasted by some friends for not knowing that. I'm sorry that I grew up somewhere that we didn't have that TV show, okay? You better be. Sorry. You better was- be. Uh, it was a, a small rant there. Yeah, Abby. it was a bit shady, to be honest. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> let's let's swiftly move on from Abby's rant, and we are still in KC, Missouri, mm-hmm. and it is still hot, hot as Hades. It is so hot, and it it does it is yeah, it is wildly warm right now. Yeah, so. We're getting there. We're both a bit low energy. Low energy. Drinking a lot of water, but it's too hot for us uh, Brits. Yeah, exactly. So we've been in KC, Missouri since, well, for a couple of days. um, And there's not been a huge amount to do in terms of the trip that we're taking. However, it was important that we came here to see the things that are here because a lot happened in independence missouri Mm -hmm. um independence greater area yes within about an hour's drive region which is all within an area of kansas city yeah so so we're gonna when i say there was quite significant things happening yes lots happened but it didn't take us very long to go see those things today no because most of the things don't exist anymore because of the history of it yeah so let's let us delve in. Um, well, our new section at the beginning, our Q and A. Oh yes. Um, although we answered this in the previous episode, um, I did get a message from a listener asking about what's the deal with LDS members not drinking tea or coffee, mm. and I just thought maybe we just reiterate that because I think it is the most prominent thing that really sets members apart from the general population. Well it's just quite it's quite a unique yeah. and really random rule that they have to follow. There's there's many things that they have to follow, but this is just makes no sense. Well yeah, I mean you you can kind of think of it in the way of like keeping kosher, keeping halal, but a lot of the times those have things to do with like 
the welfare of the animals, right? Mm. I mean, like, I wouldn't, like, whatever, keep, like, do, like, keep kosher, be vegetarian, do whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. But I think with the word of wisdom, people just get really surprised that you can't drink tea or coffee. Because tea and coffee is, like, pretty significantly in most people's cultures nowadays. Yeah. You know? I mean, when we're in England, first thing you do in order to have good etiquette is to ask someone if they want a cup of tea or coffee. That's right. So... I think it's just one of those things that is just fascinating. Yeah. So, for clarification, Joseph Smith had a revelation. And his revelation um, was that the members of the church were not to drink hot drinks. Mm. Now, if you think hot drinks, you think temperature, right? Mm. Um, It was later clarified by a different prophet um, that hot drinks was to mean tea or coffee. Now, that can also mean iced coffee and iced tea. Oh. Yes. So, hot drinks equals tea and coffee. So, it has nothing to do with caffeine Mm. because you can drink caffeinated soda, such as Coca-Cola. But, so, if you go to Utah, which I'm excited to see, there's a lot of soda shops because a lot of people don't drink tea or coffee. So, they have drive-thru soda shops instead of drive-thru, like, um, espresso stuff. Interesting. Yeah. So that's one of the things. Other things in the Word of Wisdom is um, about eating meat sparingly. Yeah. Um, something I didn't mention was that what um, Joseph Smith had influence in and around him, and it was about it was called the Temperance Movement. Okay. The Temperance Movement movement was basically like the Word of Wisdom. It was about being being almost vegetarian eating healthy, um, being conscious about what you're putting into your body, um, keeping fit, moving, and whatnot. So it's not like a terrible thing, right? But it was one of the influences of around, uh, influences around him. Mm. Um, and he kind of plagiarized a little bit from because he had people coming in um, to the church who were already kind of following temperance ideologies. But he just wrote them down in a revelation. Yeah, um, but I would like to point out what part of the word of wisdom is eating meat sparingly or only eating it in times of winter or famine. So only eat it when you have to, essentially. Right. And the um, other thing was that he wrote down, like, grain is for human should eat grain. So, like, saying that it's okay to eat bread or whatever. Um, but, sorry, going back to eating meat sparingly, um, I would like to point out that we went to Dairy Queen the other day. Oh, yeah, and, oh my goodness. and we went to Dairy Queen, and there was, it was right before the um, Carthage Dale uh, memorial service. That's right. Um, which we'll talk about more in Nauvoo, but um, there was, we were in the Dairy Queen because it was the only place that was serving food in this entire tiny town, and about twenty or more missionaries were in there getting dinner, along with other Mormon families, and how many chili dogs did we see countless countless hamburgers whatever and it didn't quite look like they were eating meat sparingly to me but that's just my observation it's just a little observation yeah and i'd say that probably modern americans never eat meat sparingly unless you're specifically a vegetarian or vegan Mm. and so i'm curious to know if anyone has any insight on if eating meat sparingly is just kind of forgotten even though tea and coffee is very much followed Mm. yeah 
Interesting. Um, and just another thing is that if you don't follow the word of wisdom, so if you're not, if you're drinking to your coffee or alcohol, sorry, left that out. You can't oh, alcohol, yeah. Which makes sense because, and, or smoking, because I mean, those are health things, but, um, I would love to like, so if you're not following the word of wisdom, you wouldn't get your temple recommend. So. And, and I the, can't remember if I need said a this. temple recommend to go into temple, yeah. which again, we will talk a little bit more about temples soon um but that was just to clarify to one of our listeners i'm sorry i can't remember if i said this either word of wisdom wasn't strictly followed until about the 1920s before it was just kind of a general recommendation until it became like you have to do this until the 1920s so that's like 50 years after it was revealed interesting Mm -hmm. you know a lot of this podcast and a lot of the things that i'm learning just don't make sense and i think I am coming to realize that it will just not make sense. Yeah, you just have to accept it for what it is. And it it will just not make sense. No matter how much we think about it and try and work it out, Mm -hmm. it won't make sense. And that comes through in the first thing we're going to chat about, about Independence, Missouri. Yes. So so let's kind of recap. So in terms of the timeline we're in. So as we've mentioned, we're trying to do this in chronological order. Um, However, we have already been to a place called Nauvoo. uh, And Nauvoo came after the Saints came to Independence, Missouri. Mm -hmm. Seeing as though we're here and we got it all done, Mm -hmm. we're going to we're releasing this episode now. So it makes sense with the timeline that you, our listeners, are following, and then we will release the Navu episodes yeah. to make sense in what would happen chronologically, even though we've, we're doing it kind of differently. Yeah. We've already been to Navu, but you'll get those episodes later. Yeah. So, and another kind of disclaimer is, we keep saying independence, but we're talking about a general area. There's far west um, is where a majority of saints ended up going for a while. That was the capital for a bit. And then there's Jackson County, Clay County, um, the border almost onto Illinois, um, Liberty. And these are all within about a one hour drive radius. Sure, sure, yeah. sure. But we'll just say independence for Yeah. Um, so where we left off in Kirtland, Ohio, um, things have been happening. Um, they, um, The headquarters of the church is there for seven or eight years they Mm -hmm. they get quite settled and something that i learned today from one of the sister missionaries one of the senior missionaries um she said that it's often thought that it's very much okay they were in palmyra then kirtland then independence then nauvoo but in actuality kirtland the events in kirtland and the events in independence Mm -hmm. happened parallel to one another lots of overlap lots of overlap um so whilst they were in kirtland um they were heading out towards independence um because joseph had a revelation yes that independence missouri jackson county Mm -hmm. missouri is zion zion the place in which the people will gather when jesus christ has his second coming that's right jess so, this area of Missouri, Jackson County, were one that had just been it would had been labelled Zion. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were heading out there preaching and trying to convert people. Mm-hmm. So this small area was 
gaining members of the church. And also there was people who were getting converted on the East Coast who thought they were, they were going to move and um, emigrate to Kirtland. But then when they got to Kirtland, they were instructed by the prophet to just continue to Missouri. Okay, because yeah. that was Zion, that was the, the and, Kirtland, they did just have the space for them. Yeah. So they're like, keep going to Zion, to Jackson County, Missouri. There's already people, members of the church there. Go continue the work out there. Yeah, and so Kirtland's um, timeline and Missouri's timeline is pretty much on par with each other, except for the, the prophet, Joseph Smith, does live in Missouri for about a year and a half after that they're cast out of Kirtland. That's right. Okay, so... They, they, there's a, a an overlap of of time. However, Missouri as a whole, the Missourians mm-hmm. were very unhappy with this influx of not sins. very unhappy, hated. Oh yeah, you know this was not a pleasant time. No, in the LDS history. No. Um. But Joseph Smith um, did travel back and forth a little bit, which is why how he got the revelation that it's Zion, because he visited, and then right. God told him. Yeah. And then he went back to Kirtland. Yes. And then he came back. It's so a lot of kind of flip-flopping around. He was told this was Zion. He was told uh, where a temple should be built in yeah. Jackson County. Well, there should be a temple in Far West. There should be a temple in... Uh, independence so he was getting all of these uh, temple in adam onium aman so all of these places they were they were really trying to build up this area because yeah. it's zion because it's zion Same why wouldn't Lord. they so we will visited a place called adam on aman and i just want to point out that we pronounce this wrong every single time but i've heard people say it and i still am having a hard time yeah, it. I think that's right. Adamondiaman. Okay. And it's Hebrew? No. Cool. It's, as revealed to Joseph, the pure language Ooh. that was spoken in the Garden of Eden. So Joseph Smith had the ability to translate the quote-unquote pure language. Right. Um, he's the only person to be able to do it, and he didn't write very much down. Classic Joe. Classic Joe. Um, but one my favorite anecdote of this is that um, there's a story that goes. Um, one of the bros was like, "Hey Joseph, how do you say Amen in the pure language?" And he goes, "Amen," but spelled A H M A N instead of A M E N. Wow, how inventive! I know. Honestly, the revelation was blows my mind. True. Like I could have never thought. <laughs> just just profound yeah profound. so that's kind of what he was saying and then people like they were gathering around a campfire they're like tell me this tell me that and he was just like saying random words classic Joe. yeah so, so tell me about adam on the man what is this place what do we know about it and blow my mind so this place adam Oni aman is the location in which when Adam and Eve got cast out of the Garden of Eden for being sinners, they got, they um, settled in. To Jackson County, Missouri. In Jackson County. Well, this one's just north of Jackson County, Missouri. Okay, Missouri. Because, according to Joseph Smith, the Garden of Eden was in Jackson County, Missouri. Not the Middle East. But, on another layer of this, 
So we have those two camps, right? We have the camp of believers and the uh, camp of skeptics. Yeah. A lot of Christian churches and in Mormon canon, um, the Garden of Eden, Eden was a legit, true, historical event. Right. Which is, God created the earth, he made man, then he made woman out of man's rib, um, and then they were perfect and everyone was happy, and then woman sinned, and then they got cast out. Okay. Okay. Um, a very common story. Very common story. Probably the most common known story in all of the Bible. Sure. Um, and then you have the skeptic, which is, um, we know from science that the earth is more than 6,000 years old. And um, Adam and Eve was just kind of a mythological story in order to understand the world. Sure. And there are lessons that can be learned from it, but there's pretty much no possible way that it legit- legitimately happened. Mm. But in order for Mormon um, scriptures to make sense through the Book of Mormon, mm-hmm. the Garden of Eden and those events had to be a legitimate place. So a, legitimate- a, legitimate, a legitimate place with literal Adam and Eve. So the the scriptures and the revelations that Mormonism is built on based on what the Prophet Joseph Smith said, what the Book of Mormon says, it, it would uh, it, it, those things would only make sense based on the fact that Adam and Eve were real people mm-hmm. that were in Jackson County, Missouri. Yep. 6,000 years ago. Yeah. So, this, yeah, so the location we visited wasn't actually the Garden of Eden. It was the place where they moved to after they got cast out. So, this was very holy ground for the people who are walking around. That's right. To us, it just looked like a field. Mm. Um, and there was a few signs. Yeah, there wasn't a lot there, but I, I guess it was more. It was to see the place, this this very spiritual place in which that the people will one day gather. Yeah. So the idea is is that whenever Jesus comes back, um, Adam is going to come back down from heaven, and that's where he's going to go. To Jackson County, Missouri. To well, Missouri. To, to Missouri. Yeah. Right. Um. And well, when we were there, we saw some members of the church reading their scriptures. Hmm. Which makes logical sense, probably reading the story of Adam and Eve and other stuff, I'm sure. Yeah, and maybe the revelation about Zion. Yeah. And, you know, confirming what they believe in. And, you know, they were just doing what yeah. they were doing. The problem is, though, is that on one of the plaques, we learned that there's a hymn in the Mormon hymn book called Adam Oniaman, and the lyrics were printed on it. But we didn't know the tune, so we just made up our own tune to it. And I think it was a little too upbeat for the for the vibe. Yeah. I think <laughs> it helped us make sense of the place. Yeah. So but look it up if you're interested. Check it out. It you know, it was it was interesting. It was one of the only things that was written there. Yeah, there wasn't so... very many signs. Because I guess it's a reflective place. But um it when we did leave, we went down in a mega rabbit hole for about an hour and a half. I was just gonna say there was a lot of questions after this trip. Even though there wasn't much there, there was no missionaries there. No. It was just a, a self guided a site you could visit, self guided, very much this place where a bit of a reflection place, a place that again Mormon people go on this kind of journey in exploring their history, right? We 
read the sign and we got in the car and we were like, how does this make sense? So we were like, okay, so Adam and Eve were in, we're in Jackson County, Missouri. Yeah. Um, but now we're going to get a little bit into Book of Mormon story. Mm. So you got to remember there's two camps for this. One, which is the believer, which is this is 100% true. The other one, which is the skeptic. We're probably going to lean more into the skeptic because it is really confusing. It's also our camp. Yeah. And we want to, you know, we were trying to make sense of it. And we just were having a really hard time making sense of it. We went on to so many websites like a Mormon apologetic, Mormon true believers, Mormon ex-Mormons, the church website, trying to figure out an answer because it was so confusing. Okay. Because our main question here mm-hmm. was, well, I will, I th- we'll get, I'll come back to that actually because we need to set up the, set up the story. Okay. So according to the Mormon doctrine, yep. Adam and Eve were living in the Garden of Eden, right? Yep. They sinned. They got cast out of the Garden of Eden and they went to Adam Oniamon. Okay. And then by the time they get from, they are an Adam Oniamon and they have their descendants. Um, so their children, their children's children. Within six generations, you have their descendants living now in the Middle East in current day um, Jerusalem. Yes. Okay, within six generations. Because then in the Book of Mormon, in the first stories, it's about the Jaredite people. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Jaredite people, according to the Book of Mormon, um, got in boats and then sailed to America after the Tower of Babel. Correct. Now, a bit of the backstory on the Tower of Babel. The Tower of Babel is another Bible story about how people wanted to climb their way to heaven, so they built this giant tower, and everyone could speak the same language, and then God was super pissed off that they were getting close to heaven, that he made everyone learn speak different languages so that no one can understand each other and then they all got cast out into different regions of the world which is why people speak different languages yes so another mythological story to that helps un- us to understand and consider different languages and, yeah and different people so in order for the jaredite story to be true that mm-hmm. means that the garden of eden had to legitimately happen and then the tower of babel had to legitimately happen in in mormonism in mormonism okay but our big question was, is how on earth did Adam and Eve come from Jackson County, Missouri, yeah. and then have their descendants end up in freaking Jerusalem area, yep. and then get on boats to sail back? How did their descendants get to the Middle East? So can I confirm, are, are we, did we find out whether Adam and Eve's descendants, they, they made their way back to Jerusalem, and then there was... Those people are now what we what we know as the Jaredites in Mormonism. In in the Jaredite people in Mormonism story. Okay, so the the Jaredites are direct two... descendants from Adam and Eve. Yes, but Adam and Eve as, started as by in the word Jared Jaredites. Adam and Eve started in Missouri. Yep, allegedly. Allegedly, and six generations later came the story of the Jaredites. Allegedly. Allegedly. And they got on boats and sailed to America. Allegedly. Allegedly. (laughs) And were the first people on the Americas. Allegedly. Allegedly. (laughs) So our big question is, how the frickity frack, how the frickity frack did one get from Missouri to the Middle East? Literally, how the heckity heck did that happen? And we 
scanned through so many websites. The church was just just Rushed brushing it. it under the carpet. They were just saying, just cause. Just cause. And I was Literally, like, there was no answer. It was, was like, like, you I, just got to accept it. I need more than this. I can't just accept this. Just, because We are scholars. Truly. We need to know. <laughs> I need to know. So, so we ended up <laughs> going to the very trusty source of Reddit. <laughs> we did. Literally, we, we many, ended up on Reddit. <laughs> many subreddits on ex-Mormons, on uh, Mormon historians, um, and the what ans- did we find? So it seemed that the most conclusive answer that people were learning when they were children, or yeah. like in primary or when they were teenagers in seminary, which are like classes that you take as a when you're um, under 18, when you're a Mormon, is that their teachers were teaching them that basically there was Pangea, which is, which is when um, the big T theory that um, all of the continents were touching together and then over billions of years they slowly moved away, which is why we have different continents, mm-hmm. right? But the, the, the teachers were teaching that when Adam and Eve existed, there was the Pangea. So just 6, one... 6,000 years ago. So, yeah, yeah. Or whatever. Only if it's a handful of thousands of years ago, right? Um, and then they walked, and their descendants walked to the Middle East. And then during that time, the continents split apart, and that's how then they had to take a boat after the Tower of Babel to go back. To go back. So if you're going, what? So are we? But that's the best answer we have. That is all we had <laughs> to confirm. That Adam and Eve were in fact in Missouri. Yeah. Went to Jerusalem. Yeah, area. And then came. And then their descendants got back on boats and sailed back to America. Which is. Mm, yeah. Questionable. Questionable. And, you know, I don't know if Reddit. Is a reliable source. Well, the problem is, is that we couldn't find any sources that could even remotely be seen as reliable. I mean, I get most of my answers on the church website because if you dig deep enough, you can generally find at least something. But the church website was not giving us anything on this matter, which was interesting. Yeah. Um, I would definitely love to kind of talk a little bit more about the Jaredites, the Nephites, the Lamanites in terms of the beginning of the Book of Mormon. But I, I think we'll do that in a different episode. Yeah. Um, because that was just a little bit of background on what Adam on Dear Man is. Yeah. And that the place that we went, which is believed to be Zion, the place in which the people will gather, when, the Mormon people will gather, when Jesus Christ has his second coming. Yes, that's right. So th- we had just a lot of questions from this very short visit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we went and... As we've just said, we got somewhat of an answer yeah. on how that would make any sense. Um, and we're, we're very interested to kind of explore that a bit further to see. If anyone has any insight or yeah. any experience on having that question, if you're a member please. of the church, please let us know because we're desperate to know. Just because we're the internet was not too helpful. No. So we're in Missouri. Mm-hmm. That was our first stop. However, as you mentioned at the beginning, Abby, the kind of main events that happened in Missouri, in the wider independence area, mm-hmm. uh, happened in independence. Um, so kind of what were, what did we think of independence? Well, we showed up. So there's not much here because background, um, 
there was so much conflict between the Mormons and non-Mormons that there was a lot of arson. Pretty much everything got burned down. There's no kind of buildings or rebuilds or anything that we can go in um, because they just don't exist. Because they were so persecuted that there's just nothing there. They tried. They kept coming here and there between Kirtland, trying to make a community mm-hmm. here in Missouri. In different towns and different counties. And it just wasn't It just was sticking. not. And basically that's because they came, they as in the Mormons came in so quick and so fast after Joseph Smith called it Zion that they were completely changing the political sphere of Missouri. Right. Because um, Missouri was only recently a state. Um, right, right. And they um, had a lot of immigrants that came up from the South. Mm-hmm. In the South, the Southern people, when they, the white people, when they moved up, they brought their enslaved people. Mm. Um, and when the Mormons came, and so that means that they would want, the white people came would want to ma- remain the status quo so then they can continue having their enslaved people. Yep. Um, but when the Mormons came, at the time, they were anti-slavery. Um, so they were really changing the political landscape and they even, and they always voted together for the most part. Um, so they were going to pretty much completely change the face of what Missouri would look like as a, in the government. And that was so threatening. Sure, sure. Right? Yeah. So they, um, it, that in itself caused a lot of people to not like the Mormons and want them to leave. So from the beginning of getting there to them leaving they were never wanted and i think that was detailed in our time in independence because there really wasn't a lot to see as you mentioned because there was so much arson and it was and mobs mobs and tar and feathering fighting it was not a a pleasant time pleasant time for either side as and obviously the the mormon people were extremely persecuted because of what they stood for yeah. and how they were going about their business. And obviously we would you know, we can um, empathize and yes. say that yeah. it sounded horrible and you can see in even the, the missionaries' faces when they were telling us these stories how it still really weighs heavily on the Mormon people. That's right. Yeah. I mean, one of the missionaries was kept referring it to as we, we, we. Mm. Sometimes in the past, like in other places we visited, they said, oh, um, back then, or they always talked about it in the past tense. But yeah. when they were telling these stories, they kind of spoke about it as in, like, these are our people. Yeah. So, and you could really feel that emotion there. So the Mormon people were only there a couple of years. No, yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. Um, I guess let's start with our second visit. We went to the Independence Visitor Center. Yes. In which we learned about the saints arriving mm-hmm. into independence and their eventual departure. Yeah. So what were some of the key events that happened within that time and why did it go so badly? Um, so Joseph Smith declared it a Zion. People were extremely excited to show up. Yeah. They start showing up in the thousands. Wow. Um, so huge influx of people. They can't build houses fast enough. There are too many of them. They're buying up all the land. The local people who were there before the Mormons were there. I say local people. I mean the white people. The other yeah, yeah, settlers. Yeah. Um, they were really threatened by this. As spoken about before, they started to get really annoyed by them. Um, and 
they're buying up all the land, which is also annoying them because the farmland in this area was is really good, mm. super fertile. Um, so that was difficult for them. Um, and then what ended up happening is that in small scale batches, there started to be mobs that were forming. So then they would go and terrorize a family and maybe burn down their cabin. Right. Um, and then push them out of a small settlement that they might have had. Um, and then because of that political landscape that I was talking about, um, there was one person who absolutely hated the Mormons and his name was, I can't remember his first name, but his last name was Boggs. And he ended up becoming the governor of Missouri, Governor Boggs. Um, and Governor Boggs hated the Mormons. And And he hated Joseph Smith. And he hated Joseph Smith. He wanted him arrested and tried and murdered and killed for treason. Mm. Um, And what ended up happening is, this is a very tragic thing in Mormon history, but Governor Boggs um, declared an extermination order of Mm. the Mormon people in Missouri. So that meant either kicking them out of the state or killing them. Yeah. And there's one story, which is pretty sad, but it's called the Hans Mill Massacre. Mm. And um, there was a mob or, or militia depending on what, how you... Like the Missouri militia, the yeah. people that were fighting against the the new Mormon arrivals. Yeah. Um, you know, went into a, a new settlement called Hans Mill and you know, killed 17 people, including women and children. And so, yeah. and, um, you know, and that's all because of, you know, government or box saying, do it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But then, unfor- uh, unfortunately, um, or, you know, this what ended up happening is that this upset the Mormons, obviously. You, well, yeah. <laughs> well, duh. Well, yeah, yeah obviously. Um, so um, there was a group. Now, there is, it's unsure who gave the direction for this, but um, the Missouri government would have said it was Joseph Smith. Um, the Mormons themselves would have said, oh, Joseph, the prophet didn't give this direction. They did it off their own back. Um, but there was an assassination attempt of Governor Boggs, the one who sent the extermination order. Right. Um, and it it didn't work. He lived. Um, but basically that um, caused them to believe that the Mormons were then trying to commit treason by right. um, murdering the governor. So they sent out a uh, um, warrant for the arrest of Joseph Smith. And he was then arrested for the assassination attempt of Governor Boggs. Along with... Along with... Six of a... Yeah, a good group of other other leaders in the church. Yeah, so... And he was in prison. He was in prison for four months in the winter. Um, In um, Liberty Jail in Clare County, Missouri. Yeah, which we visited. Which we visited. Liberty Jail... Once more is a historic Mormon uh, site where you can visit. Once again, run by missionaries telling the story of the his significant historical event. And um, the building itself was quite interesting. Yeah. Um, it was. It was clear- one of the older buildings we've been in. It was built in like the seventies. Yeah, but it was it was interesting because it was like looked like a museum when you walked in, but then you went into this dark room where the foundations of the dungeon was yeah and then they put a rebuild on top and it looked like a set yeah again kind of confirming to me how produced and scripted all of 
all of this has felt so far. Yeah. The sites we've visited, the the missionaries we've encountered, and that that that's just like my little note to add there is how insane the production value of it yeah. was. Um but it was quite interesting. We learned a lot about um Joseph Smith's time in jail mm-hmm. um and his eventual escape. Mm-hmm. Which I had no idea about. Yeah, pretty cool. So he was in so there basically, for four months. So he and all these guys got arrested. And they didn't do any trials. Well, they tried to get... Um, they had multiple hearings before Winters came. And all the hearings was full of Missourian people who hated Mormons on the jury. So it didn't go very well. No. So... And they kept trying to get more hearings, more hearings. And they needed... To, they were trying to get a fair trial. Sure. Which makes sense. Um, but they stop stopped all um hearings and court cases in the winter at this time um but since they were um deemed as dangerous because they were on trial for treason they were in a very high security jail so the walls were four feet thick yeah with with, it was like like plastered stone and then loose stone and then really thick wood yeah um and I mean, it looked horrible. Yeah. I mean, you know, the only the only light they had came from a very small window, um, and it was cold and wet and in the middle of winter. Mm. And then, you know, this was actually pretty interesting. One of the um, sister missionaries um, painted the picture as um, after the jail stopped being a jail, um, the city continued to use the dungeon as a place to hold ice blocks. That's how cold. That's it how was. cold it was. So yeah. they were freezing down there. Yeah. Um. And so they were there for a while. Um, one of the people who were there was Sidney Rigdon, who was the gentleman who also got tarred and feathered in the John Portland Johnson and the John Johnson yeah. farm. Um, he was, after he got tarred and feathered, he suffered a lot of head injuries. And it was always kind of said that he was never really the same mm-hmm. after the injuries. But he was one of the people who was also in the dungeon. And he started to go, you know bonkers yeah he was muttering to himself all the time he was yelling and literally all of the other guys were like can you please kick this guy out because you know it's already miserable enough in here without him just like blabbering on all the time so he actually got released early just for kind of being annoying (laughs) (laughs) um something we also found out about liberty jail was that um wives could come and stay over yeah so they're that Emma, so Emma Smith, yes. Joseph's wife, did visit a few times, um, but um, she didn't visit loads of times. No, just a couple. Um, and Joseph would send letter upon letter upon letter to her. Yeah. Um, and these letters are used a lot of the time in the church general conference meetings. They read them, right, as like evidence of how much Joseph loved Emma. Oh, okay. Yeah, but just to point out. After he gets out of jail, they go right to Nauvoo, and then that's when he really doubles down on polygamy. So, take that what you will. So, those love letters could He was be... a bit lonely. Yeah. He was pretty miserable down there. And then he gets into the world again, and, and then he... he goes nuts for the women. Yeah. So... But the women would could come and visit and stay overnight, but they had to stay in the dungeon as well. Oh. Yeah. Um, and they could also bring their kids to visit. So Joseph ended up um, seeing his eldest son, Joseph Smith III, who became uh, uh, the prophet of a uh, breakaway church. Yeah, so that's a good kind of ten, um, link 
to what I want to talk about next. So Joseph Smith III um, became the prophet of one of the offshoots mm-hmm. of the church, which we talked about last episode, the, the Kirtland episodes, um, the community of Christ, mm-hmm. um, as they believed that the prophet was bloodline, mm-hmm. meaning that once Joseph Smith had died, his son Joseph Smith III would become the prophet. Yeah. Um, and something we noticed about independence mm-hmm. and that area was the amount of one the amount of offshoots from the mainstream mormon church yeah. and the fact that the community of christ headquarters were in independence, independence. And, and joseph smith the third moved the headquarters there because it's zion I see. Yeah. So because they believe in the same origin story, yeah. he felt that the headquarters belonged in Zion, the place in which Jesus Christ will come. Yep. Um, so, yeah, independence was, was scattered with Community of Christ churches. Yeah. So Community of Christ um, used to be called the RLDS, the which is the Reorganized, reorganized. Latter-day Saints. So basically, after Joseph Smith's death, there was a lot of um, umming and aahing on who should be the next prophet. Um, Joseph Smith never wrote it down, but it was kind of offhandedly said, and he said it to Emma, that he wanted the next prophet after him to die, um, if there was going to be the next prophet, would be um, through Budline. Like he gets to choose. Yeah. Um, But he never wrote it down, so there was never clarity on it. Mm. Um, At the time the the saints were leaving Nauvoo, there was a man who became an incredible leader in kind of the mass exodus west and that was brigham young so because he was so good at organizing he was kind of sustained as the next prophet right um but emma smith was like no it's supposed to be my joseph told me joseph told me it was supposed to be our eldest son joseph smith the third um so she got really annoyed by that so she and her children and some other saints um, stayed in Nauvoo when um, most of the uh, Mormons headed west. Now, from the people who stayed, they did end up scattering mm. to many different places. They went to Michigan, they went to Iowa, Mexico, all sorts of places. And they were just trying to find their way without really having a prophet. Because at this point, Joseph Smith III was a child. Was a child. So yeah. the, right, okay, so it took it took a little him 15 bit years wow. in order to come forward to say, okay, yeah, I'm ready to be the next prophet of the As church. the re- reorganized, reorganized Latter-day, Latter-day Saints, an offshoot from yeah. the mainstream church. Um, so that's a little tidbit, really. Yeah, and they are pretty a, different yeah. um, to this day. I mean, the reorganized Latter-day Saints, now called the Community of Christ, their headquarters is in, in, in independence. Um, they have some pretty significant differences is one they believe in the trinity as joseph smith did at the beginning right um until he changed the his kind of idea on it um they believe in the doctrine and covenants but they do not believe in the pearl of great price which we've not really touched on yet no but they but part of that is that they don't believe in the mormon quote plan of salvation which is the idea of pre-existence earth dying three tiers of heaven all the things things you have to do for that. So they don't do the same kind of temple ceremonies that the mainstream Mormons do. So there is a huge amount of differences. Mega differences. And if you're listening and you don't know what we're talking about right now, we will can, we'll talk about them in later episodes. But we, it's it's coming. Yeah, it's coming. Um, 
But our time in independence... But while we were in independence, we were in an area where there was the headquarters, an assembly, a um, a temple, which is called a temple, but it's kind of different, mm. um, all owned by the community of Christ. And it was a ghost town. There was nobody there. No one there on a Thursday. It was so weird. It was it was very strange. Um, but we visited the places we needed to visit. Mm-hmm. We, but we were hoping to go into some of the Community of Christ buildings, but they were all closed. Yeah. Well, one of them, the temple, they're only open on a Wednesday, by appointment only. Two weeks in advance. Two weeks in advance, so... So we had no luck. Nope. But uh, we did see the places in which we had planned to see as mm-hmm. part of the Mormon, mainstream Mormon significance. Um, and it left us with questions. I think I'm walking away from independence with so many questions, specifically about this whole Garden of Eden thing mm-hmm. and Zion. It's it, like I'm trying to understand that it may just never make sense. No. But after independence, since well, we haven't he... told the story of how Joseph Smith escaped Liberty Jail. Oh, I know. Here I am trying to wrap up. But it's a good story. It's not a massively long story. Go on, then. Okay, basically. So, as I said, they were having a hard time getting fair hearings. Yes. So then they decided to get a, her- um, a hearing. They, as in, like, um, their attorney tried to get them a hearing yeah. in Illinois, where they would be a fair trial. Okay? Yeah. So they move them out of the dungeon onto a carriage, and then they are taking them straight to Illinois. Mm. Now, the guards who are taking them have a bit of sympathy for the these men, because they... Um, don't believe that they're guilty and they do end up getting acquitted at one point for the murder of general of governor boggs um they murdered him no they got acquitted so they were seen not guilty but he got murdered no no the assassination attempt you didn't say that sorry sorry sorry, sorry, i was like when did he get murdered the assassination attempt no yes i no, i know that okay yeah so these guards are like no we don't you know we're not mormons ourselves but we think that you guys have been treated really unfairly which they had um and um we're just gonna um say if you buy us some whiskey um we might turn a blind eye so they um the mormon dudes the joseph smith and his posse um um get um, the guards super drunk, and then they jump on their horses and escape. And nobody came after them? No. They did eventually try to um, find them, and that was part of when they were arrested in Carthage jail. They tried to bring that up, um, but then they got killed, so it never really came to anything. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So they never really fully had an end solution to the time in Liberty Jail, Liberty Jail, no. because they just escaped to a different state. So yeah, and when they did escape, they they headed back to Kirtland. I just checked my timeline. Yep. And months later, that is when they started to settle in what was known as Commerce, mm-hmm. Illinois, uh, which would soon become the town of Nauvoo. Nauvoo. And Nauvoo, we visited Nauvoo. We've, we've been there, and it is nuts. And the next few episodes are going to be all about Nauvoo and um, what kind of happens, because they really begin to gain momentum in Nauvoo. Mm-hmm. From my, that's from, my, I guess, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and it's um, things start to get a little bit crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, 
If they weren't already. If they weren't already. And more confusing. Yeah. If it wasn't already. So, any final thoughts mm-hmm. on independence? Obviously, it was a sad time. Yep. There was fighting on both sides, but, you know, the Mormons were pretty heavily persecuted. Yeah. And, you know, they didn't deserve to have so many people get murdered. No, no. So, I mean, I mean it was kind can of... empathize with that. A sad place. Um, but things did eventually get better. It took a really long time, but... <laughs> yeah. But you can tell that Missouri is really weighs on current members' hearts because of how kind of horrible it was for their history. Yeah. But, so... so that's my final thought on independent. Any final thoughts from you? Uh, no. Okay. I, I'm excited to delve into Nauvoo and what happened. Yeah, we've been teasing and, a lot of things that will and, start to be talked about in the final. And my thoughts on it, because, yeah, we, we can, we share our empathy in certain situations as we've done on this episode, but... Some stuff is hard to... Don't get us wrong. Yeah. We are definitely in the skeptic camp. Oh, the 100%. critical camp, and will continue to be so. Yeah. Um, because things get pretty wild, um, and we will continue to not shy away from sharing our opinions. Well, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Um, if you have anything to say, send them a message. Send us a message on Never Mormon Always Curious Instagram. Keep checking the pictures out. Keep listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye. 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 Thanks again for tuning in to Never Mormon Always Curious. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe for all Never Mormon Always Curious content.